if Gordon was here, he would have a more leftist view on this, I'm sure. I'm sure, but he isn't here. He's not here. So welcome to the alt-right podcast. Exactly. It's Friday, July 6th, 2018, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and extremely boring person, and with me today is Paul Paters, master student and weird angle photographer. Gordon Derrick, my fellow contributing editor at Dutch News, isn't here today because he's literally melted. Why uh, are you an extremely boring person? Because I haven't done anything interesting this week to come up with a title. Really nothing? Yeah, I went back like through my... Tw- I haven't even like tweeted much. I, I don't know. And that's usually uh, yeah, the thing you, uh, you yeah. use to come up with a to title To come up with a yourself. funny title. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm just... I haven't... I've been recovering from being sick from last week and kind of busy ah, with work. So yeah. it's been pretty, uh, pretty boring. Pretty boring, yeah. yeah. And why am I a weird angle photographer? What is your new Twitter avatar? Yeah, it's a weird angle it's, photo. It's a selfie with me and the and the and the new church of Delft. Which, if you want to know anything about, uh, you gotta have to read Molly's excellent article on Delft. Oh that yeah, it was published uh, on Dutch News. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, you've you've had a few weird uh, angle photos on Instagram, so I'm making fun of your like fake okay. Instagram influencer life. But but you liked my Instagram post. I do. I don't want so, you. To, I don't want you to hate yourself too much. Huh? Okay, that's that's nice for you. Do we actually know where Gordon is this week? Do you think he might be invited to tea at Buckingham Palace? Oh, maybe that's where he is. Mm, maybe yeah. he's helping with Brexit negotiations. Yeah, yeah, that could be useful. But yeah. who who will be visiting Queen Elizabeth though uh, in the near future are King Willem Alexander and Queen Maxima, because they are invited to a state visit to the United Kingdom on October twenty third and twenty fourth. Uh, they were invited before uh, for tea at Windsor Castle in 2013, a few months after Willem Alexander's uh, inauguration. The royal couple will be accompanied by Prime Minister Mark Rutte and Foreign Minister Staff Block, so everybody will be bored to death. Um, the Rijksvoorlichtingsdienst, the uh, government's uh, communication agency, said uh, that the state visit will underline the special bond between the North Sea neighbours. Yeah, well, we, we're going to talk more about that special bond when we discuss uh Rita this week and his his invitation to Theresa May. What do you think they're going to talk about at tea? The Queen and Willem Alexander. Yeah, probably they probably discuss dogs. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, as long as the politician is there, then they they won't talk about anything besides out. Yeah. dogs. Just just well, very small, but they are about. professional small talkers, yeah. so they are they know how to how yeah. to how to behave in these kind of situations. That's true. That's very true. So, speaking of people not behaving, uh, what is the ophef of the week, Paul? The ophef of the week is about André Postema. He's the chair of the uh, school board of the schools in Limburg, where 354 students failed their exams uh, due to administrative errors by the school. We talked about it uh, last week, and yeah. we'll, we also have an update for you uh, later in this podcast. But this man, André Postema, is also a senator for the Labour Party, and despite the tremendous amount of criticism by the public, the press, and the the school uh, students and the parents of the students for his role in the dramatic story, uh, Postema said through a spokesperson that he wasn't planning on resigning from his position, and that sparked uh, a lot of upheaval on uh, social media. So he is both the chair of this school board in Limburg and also a politician, politician, yeah. a member of the Erstkammer. Yeah. Okay, and he is not resigning either of those roles. No. Right. 
Okay. Even though you could say from the school thing, you should definitely resign. Yeah. And you could also argue that his political life is also yeah, ended, or basically. Yeah. yeah, But he is the leader of the Labour Party in yeah. this camp, so that's also yeah. uh, pretty sensitive. Um, but on top of this, on Thursday, former minister Lilian Plumer, and current Labour MP, accidentally made a text public that was supposed to send to Labour leader Lodewijk Usher, which said, we're not able to maintain his position, this is the worst imaginable scenario, and it's only damaging the party, somebody must call him to tell him he should resign. Did she, you think she in, ac- accidentally made it, or like accidentally in air quotes? I am sure this is not accidental yeah. at all, because what happened was she was trying to send this on WhatsApp to Lodewijk Usher, and it appeared in her WhatsApp stories. Yeah. But there's no way you can accidentally put a text in your WhatsApp, uh, stories. In your WhatsApp stories, because you first have to make a screenshot or you have to copy it and paste it into a different uh, photo and then that one you can upload on your... On I'm going to start uh, uh, but it, it, sub sub WhatsApp storying people. So instead of just yeah. like, <laughs> instead of just messaging our mutual friends and being like, Paul is the goddamn worst, I'm just going to start <laughs> posting it in my WhatsApp and nobody, stories. And nobody usually watches do, those. So, so yeah. Yeah, who pays attention to WhatsApp stories? Nobody. But but I mean, if if she wants to maintain that this was an accidental thing, I mean, it's, it's just too ridiculous to yeah. believe it's accidental. It's but like, it's also too ridiculous to think that she wants us to believe it was accidental. Yeah. But uh, André Postema, in the meantime, has said uh, the whole disaster is the fault of the examination board. Of course. Uh, he says they should ne- have never called uh, 354 exams invalid at the same time. Yeah, you know what? It's It seems like it's everyone's fault but the students, and the students are the only ones that are getting screwed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This week, the weather is hot, the salaries are not, and Rutte demonstrated Dutch directness on an international stage. For any Dutch listeners, the season we're currently experiencing is called summer. It's a rare sight around these parts. The Dutch weather service KNMI said June was one of the 10 driest since they started keeping records in 1906. Only 29 millimeters of rain fell at the built station compared to an average of June of 68 millimeters. This combined with high temperatures and lots of sunny, windy days leading to low humidity. The drought has resulted in increased water usage, which in turn has resulted in the water authorities asking people to reduce usage. They have suggested that people take shorter showers, avoid hosing gardens or washing their cars. It seems the country has heeded this call. According to the water authorities, usage has decreased across the country. Don't stop the short showers yet. The sun and heat are expected to continue for another two weeks. So, uh, Paul, I assume the smell in the studio is you taking the call for the reduction in usage very seriously and not showering at all. Exactly. I'm avoiding all water everywhere right now. Ironically, as he takes a sip of water. Yes. Yeah. But uh, have you been enjoying the weather? Have you been not enjoying the weather? Yes, I've I've been enjoying the weather. My last exam was on uh, on Wednesday, Ah. Wednesday morning. And after that, I went to the beach immediately afterwards. Of course. No, my exam was on Tuesday. On oh. Tuesday, I went to the beach afterwards. I went on Wednesday as well. And I uh, I spent uh, the day yesterday in Rotterdam also in the sun. So, nice. yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoyed the sun very much. Very good. Very good. I've been having everyone that I've been meeting with this week has been demanding that we sit outside for our meetings. So I've been also So been you've been planning a lot of meetings, of course. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So. <laughs> Last week, we discussed two stories of which we have updates for you this week. The first one is about the hundreds of swans that were covered by fuel oil after an oil tanker hit a jetty in the port of Rotterdam. 220 tons of fuel oil was leaked into the waters of the harbour. 
Earlier, it was thought that the first 30 swans could be released from the emergency shelter, but after final checkups, the team of volunteers have concluded that all swans are not yet strong enough. It is estimated that a total of 900 swans have been smeared with oil, and 400 of them are currently in the emergency shelter. The swans won't be released in the port's waters, but in the Hoekservaard, an area 30 kilometers to the south of Rotterdam. The Dutch Safety Board has announced they will start an investigation into the collision of the oil ship and the handling of the Dutch authorities to limit environmental impact of such accidents. The investigation will take at least one year. I think the thing I'm most fascinated by is that there's 900 swans there. In the port of Rotterdam. That's a lot of swans. In that part of Rotterdam. so many swans. Yeah, and it's in that, only in that part of the yeah. port of Rotterdam because it was only very concealed and very isolated problem. So imagine how many swans are there in the I rest know. of the port. There's so many swans. Yeah. Uh, the other update is on the mass exam failings in Maastricht. Earlier this month, the exam results of 354 students were declared invalid due to administrative errors by their school. The Telegraaf and Volkskrant newspapers revealed on Friday the school boards were aware of these errors and didn't take action at all. Angry parents have taken the issue to school inspectors. The school inspectorate has declined to comment on the claims and say the investigation is now underway. So back to referring to our op of the week. So, Paul, how is this going to be uh, resolved for the uh, students? Uh, the Ministry of uh, Education is, uh, of course, working hard to uh, find a solution for the pupils because, as you said, uh, uh, everybody is uh, avoiding uh, the blame, of course, but the, 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 the people who are really hurt by this are the, are the students. Um, they will be given until January to catch up on coursework and tests so they can still graduate, but that will mean that they are going to have to spend the summer in, uh, in summer school, unfortunately for them. Ari Slop, the Minister of Education, said that it's not a guarantee to succeed but it does give the students a chance to get a school leaving certificate. This is like some serious bullshit. Yeah, but it is pretty pretty unprecedented that yeah. and I mean and never in the history uh, something like this has happened. Yeah. So there are um, uh, basically the, the, the education ministry is basically improvising to find a solution to this because there's obviously no protocol Pro- yeah. or, or whatever. Um, but there is uh, there are also some question about the uh, if this is f- legal to do, it's not not entirely clear no. because there is simply no regulations or laws on this. Yeah, if I if it was my kid in the school, I would be suing because this is absurd. Yes, I mean, Me yeah, too. like we said before, right? It seems like the the only people who didn't do anything wrong here were the students, and they appear to. Well, be they the didn't only... know that they were doing anything wrong. Right? Yeah, they had no the idea. Yeah, yeah it's the school's fault, and they're the ones that are being punished. A report by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development suggests that wages in the Netherlands aren't rising because of the weak position of freelancers. In a profile of the country, the OECD said the rapid growth of casual labor was the main reason why employees were not benefiting from the strong economy. Protective measures such as minimum wage and compulsory pension contributions do not apply to freelancers, which makes them attractive to employers while restricting the bargaining power of contracted staff. In contrast to other countries where the proportion of freelance workers has declined in recent years, the Netherlands has experienced an explosion in casual labor, the OECD said. Research by the NRC, also out this week, found that not one company in the Netherlands has been fined in the past two years for employing bogus freelancers, so people who are treated as self-employed but in reality work for one company. The OECD said the Netherlands should close the gap between staff and freelancers by cutting tax breaks and introducing better social security for self-employed workers. It also called for uh, dismissal laws to be relaxed so that companies could hire staff more easily. 
And uh, do we know how many people are working as a freelancer in the Netherlands right now? Yeah, something like 17% of the workforce is self-employed. And the OECD estimates that about 15% of self-employed people aren't really self-employed, but are working fixed hours for a single company so that they should actually be employed. So it's a lot of people. Yeah, but they, these the less people are considered to be uh, freelancers as well. Yeah, so so something like seventeen percent of the workforce in the Netherlands is is self employed. Yeah, um, and of that pool of people, around they think around fifteen percent of those people are should be actually treated as employees that they're um, not really okay. freelancers. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for making that clear. You are welcome. But it is still a lot of people. It's a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you would think that the uh, blasting deans would uh, would get sick of. Uh, of, uh, of of you know receiving all their beta rays yeah. and all their other text uh, text yeah, things every, every month or every two com- months yeah every quarter yeah, every they, quarter they haven't found a single company so I mean it's it seems crazy to me and I think anybody I mean I definitely can think of five or six people off the top of my head who are definitely not who are who are falling into this fifteen percent category mm. where they like don't have. Uh, a real employment contract they're working as freelance for a company but like it's very clearly a uh they, they work there every every day of yeah, the week, they're, they're, yeah yeah they have set hours or like whatever that kind of stuff is i mean employers really take advantage of this i think on the other hand i mean it's so hard to get rid of people that i totally understand why companies look towards this i mean it just seems like an absurd system where yeah and uh, uh the, the the previous cabinet also um you know uh, it used to be the case that every three years a an employee should be offered a, um, a permanent contract yeah. and they reduced that to two, to years, two years so that makes it even uh, yeah harder for yeah. companies who, who who don't need a fixed um, uh, workforce or something yeah. to to hire people yeah yeah and also I mean you you would think that maybe it would be better to have a, a system of obliged severance rather than like a, a permanent contract system where it's like impossible to fire people so that like companies can make different decisions about having employees and like maybe want to hire people but then of course like employees are also protected from like you know you yeah, don't want a situation like you have in the u.s where you can just fire people at will it's like really disruptive to people's lives yes obviously so yeah. perhaps uh, uh, an idea is to have a um a, a period of, of notice before yeah. that of a couple of months or something yeah. and with uh, you know that special uh, as we would of course there is a word for that in dutch yeah uh yeah i think that might be better than yeah or getting rid of the permanent contract system and having like a five-year replaced with the uh, 10-year something system right where you can have a five-year contract or a 10-year contract or something like that which gives people some stability right but doesn't like leave you in a situation where you just are stuck with someone for literally the rest of their working life yeah in sport, Max Verstappen believes he can still be a contender for the Formula One Drivers' Championship after scoring his first Grand Prix win of the season in Austria last Sunday. It was the fourth time Verstappen won a Grand Prix in his career and the third time in a row he finished on the podium. The 20-year-old profited from Lewis Hamilton's retirements, eight laps from the end of the race, and other technical blunders by the Mercedes team. Verstappen is currently fifth overall and 50 points behind Vettel, with nearly half the season gone, but he told Scott F1 that he thinks he only needs a bit more engine power to have a good chance to be a contender. More than 20,000 Dutch fans traveled to Austria to watch the race, which was her home Grand Prix for Verstappen's Red Bull team, turning a number of the stands along the track completely orange. Was there more, uh, any other sports news? Yes. I feel like there hasn't been a whole lot of sports stuff going on, other than the, you know, obvious. Verstappen and the soccer. And, and soccer. <laughs> 
Which I don't. Yeah, I'm but not the, the attention. Netherlands doesn't participate in that. No. So and neither apparently does like. Uh, Do you already have a favorite team? No, I don't care. My favorite team was. Um, I was cheering for Peru uh, in the in for the qualifying amount of the World Cup. Oh. Because they hadn't like made it in a really long time. Ah, okay. But, but I, you can also have uh, have supported England for that. I could have, yeah, but. Because they um, they got rid of their uh, uh, penalty support, trauma. An, yeah, as an American, I can't support England for. Anything, oh no, and so. of course it's only days after the fourth of July, so we cannot yeah, possibly that would be ask you. Uh, yeah, no. that's true. Uh, but there is uh, more sport news, but this time from London. Dutch mm. tennis player Robin Hase lost his game in the second round of Wimbledon to Australian Nick Kyrgios, the number 15 of the world, with a 3-0 loss. Hase didn't play well against the Australian, but he was able to make the crowd laugh. At some point, he threw his shoes into the crowd and he asked one loud spectator with a fake British accent if he wanted to have a cup of tea. It doesn't make sense at all, but he did. Did you listen to this or not? I did. I'm just just very confused. Yes, as I'm to... also very confused by that. I didn't know why. I, did I want that. a cup of tea. Can I go get a cup <laughs> you of tea? Can get, you can get a cup of tea, of course. <laughs> we'll ask Robin Hasse. We'll be coming back to the Netherlands anyway, so he will be able to uh, to get you in a cup of tea. But uh, the other Dutch player, Kiki Bertens, is doing better. For the third time in her career, she managed to reach the third round of the Wimbledon Championship. But to continue to the fourth round, she has to win from American player Venus Williams. Bertens and her coach, however, are confident she has a chance, especially because of her surface shots, which can reach 180 kilometers an hour. But she realizes it will be difficult to beat the five-time Wimbledon champion on the holy grass. I just want another cup of tea, to be honest. Yeah, you can get a, another cup of tea. No, you can't, because the next story is yours. Yeah, the next story is mine, so I can't get another cup of tea. Changes to the Dutch integration system in the Netherlands have failed, according to the Social Affairs Ministry. Since 2013, new migrants have been given a loan of 10,000 euros and expected to find their own Dutch language and citizenship classes. The government research found that asylum seekers in particular have difficulty finding a suitable language school because they don't speak any Dutch and they don't know anybody who can advise them, (laughs) which seems incredibly obvious. This, in turn, created low incentives for language schools to provide good quality tuition, which uh, resulted in, on Friday, police investigating fraud at two language schools in Amsterdam and Utrecht, and they seized 10,000 euros in cash in a series of raids. Social Affairs Minister Walter Koolmees said the loan system would be scrapped and municipalities would be given the responsibility for integrating new migrants and refugees. Local councils will be given a budget for language tuition to ease the burden on applicants. But that's that's positive, isn't it? I well, mean, that it, that means that the that the uh, immigrants don't have to find a language school on their own. Yes and no. So when I moved here, it was still under the previous system, um, and the Gemeente provided like low cost language courses, um, which was a good thing. Um, as far as I know, there weren't like low cost integration courses, which is like the information that you need to actually pass the embarking. But okay, maybe they're also going to develop that. Um, the language course was possibly the worst experience of my life after like surviving a terrorist attack. It was so bad. And, you know, I moved here, you know, highly skilled migrant. Like we came to work for the university and my, my ex-husband came to work for the university and like it took kind of a fluke of an accident to even find out that these courses existed. So there was no centralized like offer you didn't get a brochure you didn't like get a brochure yeah there was like no information and the course was really 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 bad so i am not sure that i am convinced that this process is going to go any better than the previous process was so but i guess we'll see i mean it's still better than like 
making like just not having support for people at all um so some support is better than no support i guess but you did find a uh, language school did you i <clears throat> i eventually found a private language instructor uh who's belgium so i'm pretty <laughs> sure that means the system has failed yeah this is this is yeah yeah, yeah. this is uh, exhibit a exhibit a If you thought you had a bad day, just think of these two security drivers from Breda. As they were driving away from a bank, their armored cash transport van got trouble just as the van was driving through a narrow passageway, meaning that the two drivers had no way of opening the armored doors as they were blocked by the bank building and the wall. Oops. This combined with the very nice weather we had the past week, the temperature inside the van was rising very quickly, reaching almost 50 degrees. As a specialized mechanic company was called, firefighters cooled the van and the drivers by spraying water to it, while other firefighters tried to break a window. After a while, firefighters succeeded in opening a window with the help of a suction cup and the two drivers who kicked the window from the inside. However, one driver had to remain inside the van because security protocol states that a loaded money transport van has to be manned at any time. This is the most absurd story. Yes, but at least he survived. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and uh, after a while, the uh, specialized mechanics uh, company arrived at the scene and they restarted the van because there was some uh, trouble in the software of the van, and yeah. uh, they could uh, they could continue their journey. Ah, I feel bad for those guys. Yeah, but at least he enjoyed the nice weather. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, inside in 50 degree heat, I'm not <laughs> sure that's enjoyment. <laughs> We'll be discussing Rutte's busy week after this word from our sponsors. GMW Lawyers is an innovative law firm located in The Hague, with clients based both in the Netherlands and abroad. They are known for their dedicated, committed and no-nonsense approach and will work to achieve the best result for you. GMW specialises in family, employment, corporate, liability and property law. They also support the Legal Expat Desk, a legal resource for internationals. You can find them online at gmw.nl and the Legal Expat Desk at legalexpatdesk.nl. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch. You won't be charged for initial legal advice. You can reach them by email at info at gmw.nl. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte has been busy this week, meeting with American President Donald Trump, calling for a meeting with British Prime Minister Theresa May, and attending a marathon 10-hour meeting in Brussels about migration. So let's start with the biggest story of the week. Rutte announced plans to meet with the American President weeks ago, and this week he traveled to the White House to have a private face-to-face meeting which covered topics including tariffs and passport checks. The press focused heavily on the fact that Rutte interrupted Trump while Trump was claiming tariffs would be positive. Did you see this? Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Was, uh, There was a lot of headlines about like uh, Rutte introducing Dutch directness. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, how did the Dutch media cover the story? Uh, the Dutch uh, media covered this story, of course, very intensively because you know it's the prime minister that visiting the White House. So, yeah. uh, if there is anyone interested, then it is, of course, the Dutch, uh, the Dutch press, because yeah. uh, uh, in the United States, these visits usually go unnoticed. Yeah. Uh, well. We're, go- we're coming back to that uh, later because yeah. it didn't go, uh, go completely, uno- completely unnoticed. unnoticed. Um, so we had live streams, we had live blogs of of, of, of uh, Rutte arriving at the White House. Days before that, Rutte was asked uh, what, what his approach was, uh, what his uh, uh, um, strategy was with uh, shaking the hand of Donald Trump. Yes. Because we, of course, know that Donald Trump is an excellent ha- handshaker. And by excellent, you mean slightly creepy and terrible. Slightly creepy, yeah. Very, very creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. So uh, um, Rutte arrived at 
the at the West Wing. He stepped out of the uh, at the armored car and he uh, gave his hand to Donald Trump. But did you see what he what he did? Yeah. And then he he reached over right and sort of took the other side of his he, arm. Yeah. So he sh- he was shaking Donald Trump's head with yeah. his right hand, but he fixed. The, the arm of Donald Trump with his left hand yeah. so that he couldn't, you know, jerk with it or Pull whatever you're pulling yeah. back, whatever he's doing all the time. So that was, uh, he, he you, you saw that he really thought about this yeah. because he didn't want to look that stupid. Yeah, there was a, the Telegraph had a whole spread about a body language expert and analyzing the, uh, the handshake and how Rita showed that he could be in control of the situation. It was all very amusing, I thought. Yeah, and what really helps is that uh, uh, Rutte is just as tall yeah. as, as Donald Trump. You know, I did not realize that Rutte was that tall until yeah. this meeting. I didn't realize that that uh, Donald Trump was this tall. Meanwhile, the American press focused really strongly on the fact that uh, Rutte said no to Trump. So there was a question about tariffs and uh, they, they got onto the subject of the tariffs and the... Uh, Donald Trump said something to the effect of like, yeah, and, you know, even if we have to renegotiate a trade deal with all the individual European countries, that'll be good for us. And then Ruta just interrupted him and was like, no. And Ruta was like, uh, yeah, but they'll be it. And Ruta was like, no. Yeah, Trump said, uh, if we we are able to work something out with the EU, that will be positive. And if Mm -hmm. we don't work something out with the EU, that will also be positive. And that was the moment Ruta said, no. 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 We we will have to work something out. And he he interrupted the president and, and... the president just continued, continued his, uh, his 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 talk, but it was a uh, remarkable moment because apparently it was a remarkable moment because it was picked up by all uh, media outlets yeah. uh, of the United States yeah. that you know a prime minister initially the New York Times thought Rutte was the prime minister of Denmark, um, right. you know interrupted the president in the Oval Office yeah. while there were twenty thirty cameras, cameras around, them. around them, and that was uh, yeah that that was a, apparently a very impressive uh, uh, moment, but. Rutte said later, uh, when he uh, arrived back in the Netherlands, when he uh, was asked about this, he said, well, uh, I should be able to say if I disagree with something um, right. uh, as when, when Donald Trump says something. Um, that's very Dutch. Yeah, so Dutch Dutch directness, yeah. as you said, that's uh, uh, that's basically what he did. And uh, But but not everybody was impressed by this because no. uh, The Guardian, for example, uh, described uh, this incident as an awkward interruption. Yeah. Um, Anne Holligan of the uh, of the BBC, she's a correspondent here in uh, in The Hague. She said that uh, she also talked about Dutch directness, but not in a positive way, more in a in a in a, in a negative way. Yeah, apparently, if you are meeting a world leader, then you have to, uh, you know, be very submissive and, uh, and don't have to, uh, yeah, just agree with everything uh, he says. Apparently. Um, but uh, the New York Times also wrote an article about about Rutte, and they, he they talked about um, uh, 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 you know what kind of man he is, and they they uh, they mentioned the uh, the coffee mopping uh, thing yeah. uh, that happened a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, and also that he uh, just cycles to his uh, to his meeting with the yeah. king, and uh, that he uh, you know just just goes to his meetings this uh, is the two, on the, the internationals press's two favorite like uh stories about Rita. Yeah, that he just that he's basically a normal guy yeah. and they they really yeah, like that. That's a normal. It's not like he's being abnormal in the system. This is just how people are politicians are here. They all cycle to go do things. Like that's just the normal baseline like for in, how in you yeah, yeah, in the Netherlands. But so. but for in for international standards, yeah. even for Belgian standards, yeah. you could you couldn't imagine the prime minister no. of Belgium 
Sidewalk. walking around or cycling in Brussels, yeah. mopping his... I mean, the, the Prime Minister of, of Belgium, which is a smaller country than the Netherlands, has an armored car and he always... Uh, yeah. travels with police escort. Margrethe just has one car and yeah. only when it's a very special meeting then, then there are two yeah. motorcyclists. Well, and are... I mean, you know, in, in Rutte's defense, how else are you going to get in The Hague uh, from the Binnenhof to the palace? It would take you like 45 minutes to go by car. It's like five <laughs> minutes by bike. Yeah, or two <laughs> minutes by tram. It's much more efficient. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is it known what they talked about? Yeah, so tariffs played a big role at the meeting. Uh, Trump has threatened to raise the tariff on cars imported from the EU to 20% as a and reaction. And this, this, this will affect the Netherlands because um, uh, all the cars that are uh, produced in Germany, yeah. they travel to the United States by ship through Rotterdam. Through Rotterdam. And, and the Netherlands is, uh, the economy of the Netherlands is dependent for 70% of trade. Yeah. And uh, 30% of that comes from Germany. Yeah. So whenever there are import tariffs. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad for the Netherlands. It's bad for the Netherlands, and also the the, the steel tariffs, which were, which was also part of the discussion. Yeah. Uh, much of the steel that is transported from uh, the EU to to the United States is produced in the Netherlands yes. at Tata Steel in in um, in uh, Eimuiden. Eimuiden, yeah. And it also transported through the port of Rotterdam again. So uh, uh, all these. Things are a direct hit for the Dutch economy, so yeah. it's very important to Rutte to prevent this from happening, of course. Yeah, and which the, also explains his no. Right, and yeah. the reason that uh, Trump is threatening this tariff on cars is because the European Union has put in place tariffs on a range of goods, from jeans to whiskey, which were imposed <laughs> after the U.S. increased tariffs on aluminum and steel. Because basically we're in a stupid trade war for no flipping reason. Yeah, exactly. Other than Trump is an idiot. Yeah. And that's my official standpoint. <laughs> you can send me all the email that you want. Rutte told Trump that the tariffs wouldn't be positive. He later told News Or that they would be, quote, very bad for America, which is definitely 100% true. Uh, please send all your complaints about my thoughts on tariffs to Paul. Um, but not everything was a disagreement. The prime minister said he agreed 1,000%, that's a quote, with Trump's view that European uh, countries should pay a greater share of the NATO budget. Ritza also said that the two leaders made progress on the issue of U.S. passport checks at Schiphol Airport, which is part of Trump's plan to restrict migration by vetting passengers before they board the plane. This and is also an idiotic system. Yeah, but it would be beneficial for Schiphol because if, uh, if you can have your uh, passport check on European soil uh, in Schiphol, then more people will travel through Schiphol yeah, to the United States and it will be beneficial for Schiphol yeah. as well. Yeah. And also um, the uh, the NATO budget, uh, yeah. uh, all the NATO members agreed that they will have to pay 2% of their GDP to on, on defense budgets, but currently the Netherlands is paying 1.2% yeah. uh, of their budget yeah. to, uh, to the military yeah. and used to be way less... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trump has a point in the sense that uh, the European Union contributes, is not contributing. Some countries in the European Union are not contributing what they should be contributing to NATO. I think all of them to are NATO. Not. I think, oh, no, there's one. Isn't it like Estonia has, like, made yeah, it? You're yeah, you're right. Yeah, only Estonia. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's, that is a fair point. I don't think that the way that you deal with that point is by, you know starting a trade war but sure <laughs> fine whatever yeah, yeah, i will yeah, concede yeah. this point to trump yeah and i i think Rutte's um uh, strategy here was to to be direct yep. to uh to show trump that he is not someone who you can walk over very easily and he also uh tried to impress trump by learning a lot of numbers by heart for example that the netherlands is the second largest investor in the united states 
and that Dutch investments are uh, result in 825,000 American jobs. Yeah, although that we sort of I I dug a bit into these numbers and they are like extremely questionable. Yes, because uh, uh, it, it depends on what you call an investment. For example, some American companies have an offshore letterbox firm in the Netherlands yeah. and the money they uh, uh, they send to the Netherlands and they send back to the United States. That's also considered to be an investment because that's how they uh, avoid paying taxes. Yeah. But that counts as an investment, even though it's only it only costs yeah. uh, the 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 American uh, uh, tax. Uh, yeah, and I think I think it was Ben Coates that pointed this out on Twitter that um, the, where this number comes from is it's a combination of two numbers. Um, one that is from the. Uh, Oh God, I can't. I can remember the acronyms, but not what they stand for. There's two organizations in the U.S. that are sort of counting this data. Um, one sort of is counted as like direct jobs. So this is t- companies that are owned by Dutch people who are living like in the U.S. and and employing people there. That number is like somewhere around. 425,000 jobs, which is a bit easier to, to sort of count. Um, and the rest of this number comes from the fact that they have this calculation that the amount of money that is invested in a place results in like 5.26 jobs. So they take the amount of investment mm. and then like multiply it out by that. And that number is like extremely sketchy. Yeah, it's of course very difficult to to calculate that. But yeah. it is an estimation and it's something that uh, Trump is probably uh, don't care about no, how these numbers are. Not. How, how you may make up these numbers, but uh, he, he cares about the, the numbers of the jobs yeah, yeah. and another topic po- very important topic was the MH17 oh uh, yeah that's right crash yeah yeah because obviously it is for uh, for Margaret uh, very important that uh, Russia will be um, or, or at least the, the, the Russian people who were involved in the in the downing of the MH17 are put to justice and uh, uh, he really needs the help of, of, of America which is of course a, a permanent a uh, member of the uh, um, Security Council right. uh, in the United uh, Nations. Uh, it, it is important to to have their backing. So Trump, of, uh, Rutte did his best to uh, to convince Trump that uh, that he he needs to help Rutte with uh, with this um, with yeah. this issue. Which is a bit complicated, of course, because you know Trump has, seems to be very pro Russia. So I'm not sure how much good Rutte is going to be able to do on this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, on this move. But we'll have to see. And another other uh, smart thing I think Rutte did was he he brought a bunch of um, uh, CEOs and a bunch bunch of co- corporate people to the United States. Yeah. The people Trump feel comfortable with. He doesn't like politicians very much, but he does like people who are in business because yeah, that's where, where what the background is of uh, of Donald Trump, of course. And uh, they set up a meeting with these CEOs, these big CEOs. Of, uh, of Dutch companies and I think that's a very smart move because that's where Donald Trump feels most at home yeah yeah in a boardroom no I think it was a well uh, organized and well orchestrated meeting but uh, by Rutte he seemed very well prepared uh, you know I think he did the best that he could I'm not really sure that you could have higher uh, expectations for this meeting like there just there wasn't you know there wasn't really a purpose they didn't really have goals set in mind I think he got you know sort of what he wanted out of it Trump wasn't the only head of state Rutte interacted with this week uh, a, a day after the meeting with Donald Trump in Washington, the Prime Minister invited Theresa May, the Prime Minister of the UK, to The Hague to discuss progress of negotiations between Britain and the EU. Uh, Rota has urged his British counterpart to provide more clarity on Brexit, with less than nine months to go until the UK leaves the European Union. And yeah. it's also important to, to, to have a deal with the United Kingdom, either the European Union 
strikes a deal with the with with the UK, and otherwise the Netherlands would have to do it on 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 its own, uh, because again, um, uh, the United Kingdom is also a very big trading partner right. of the Netherlands, and it is very important to keep trade as large as possible. And if um, if if the United Kingdom truly breaks away from 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 the European Union, then that will also affect the Dutch economy tremendously. So yeah. it's really important to have a solution here. Well, and if Theresa May and Mark Rutte can't come up with something, maybe Willem Alexander and the Queen can can, can <laughs> propose something over tea in, in October. Yeah. And Rutte started off this week with a marathon meeting in which European leaders reached an agreement on dealing with the flow of African migrants. Rutte described the deal as, quote, good news. Details of the arrangement are still sketchy, but European leaders have agreed to talk to North African countries about halting the flow of migrants. Rutte spoke at the end of the meeting about a Turkey-like deal, referring to the EU's agreement to give Turkey financial support in return for halting the flow low of refugees. This meeting was 10 hours long, which sounds like hell as far as I'm concerned. Yes, because you think every meeting that lasts longer than 15 minutes is hell. That's because there's no reason for meetings to last this long. Yeah, so this has been, um, sort of had a mixed bag review in the, the press. Some that these migrant, like uh, mi- pro-migrant groups are not happy with this deal. Other people seem to be happy that they're trying to come up with some sort of solution because the current system is not working at all. Yeah, because um, people are drowning in the Mediterranean every day yeah um and yeah so i guess we will we will see um i'm not sure how yeah i mean you know this is one of these problems where there's not a great solution for the eu um you can build these camps like they have in turkey but that's not really a great long-term solution for how to deal with these people and as long as economic and you know, cultural and political situations in Northern Africa and places in the Middle East continue to be incredibly dire. People are going to make the very risky trek um, to get here because they think that their lives have the chance to be better here that they are not going to have in their home countries. But the Turkey deal was one of the um, was really one of Rutte's doings. He was yeah. the one who initiated initiated it and yeah. who basically personally. St- struck the deal with Turkey and with the European Union. And it is, um, uh, that was really the turning point in Rutte's approach with the European Union, because Mm -hmm. at that point he found out that if you are a small country, you are still able to make a difference in the European Union. And it is from that point that he started to think, well, maybe we should take more initiative within the European Union more often. And And in that way we can actually... Uh, achieve something and another another way uh, another uh, example of that is the coalition he created with smaller countries of the European Union to form a bloc right. against um, uh, France and against uh, Germany. Germany for example yeah. Yeah. and um, it also has to do with uh, with the fact that the Netherlands was uh, was the chair of the European Union for uh, for a year a couple of months ago a couple of years ago I think that was when when he really uh, when Rutte really thought, let's take responsibility for uh, the Dutch interests in in the European Union, and I think uh, you can say whatever you want about the Turkey deal if you think it is a human humanitarian solution or not. But people are not drowning anymore in the in the in well, the sea. Not. In totally the, in, not. It, from Turkey from to Turkey the European to the Union, European there are no yeah. people drowning there anymore. Yeah. So in in that regard, it is yeah, a success. It is it is a success. And the 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 the, the migration 
wave really stopped from yeah. Turkey to 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 the European Union. Yeah, the the problem sort of is is that I mean Turkey for all of its problems is a lot more stable than a place say like Libya where yeah. you know you're not. It's going, very more difficult. It's going to be a lot a more difficult yeah. to strike that deal. So yeah, it's a bit um yeah that's it's a tough situation. So yeah. I guess we will see. Um, hopefully we'll have some answers this week as to what this agreement actually is going to be. That's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. My thanks to Paul Paters. Rest in peace, Gordon Derrick. I'm Molly (laughs) Quell, and we'll be back next week. 